Welcome to Radio Rollback Podcast, celebrating the greatest days of music radio. Now here's your host, Jeff Martin. Hello and thank you for joining us for edition 26 of Radio Rollback. Really nice to be back with you and I hope you enjoyed the episode 25. Uh, If you've not listened to it uh, yet, then you can go back to listen and you can listen to all the... uh, the podcast including the little trail we did which i think is uh, still there so wherever you get your podcast from pop on there and have a listen and of course don't forget uh, to like us if you would be so kind and to follow us as well and then obviously you'll get to all the information about the up and coming podcasts and thank you everyone who's uh, been in touch since the last one love to get your emails and uh, uh, things like that and it's uh, really nice to know that uh, you're uh, enjoying them so this one is called episode 26 the roger kent interview and pretty much what it says on the tin i had the great pleasure of chatting on the phone to uh, roger kent a couple maybe three weeks ago now i was really looking forward to the interview because uh, i was a massive uh, fan of listening to Roger on Radio North International and uh, when you're that big a fan of somebody and uh, you get the chance to actually uh, meet them or chat to them on the telephone you never quite know how it's going to go do you but I really enjoyed my uh, uh, chat to Roger you know, we had a good old chat and uh, I'm hoping that he uh, he enjoyed it he certainly uh, seemed to so um, yeah Roger Kent was uh, on Radio North Sea International he joined them in February of 74 and uh, went right through to the very end as you'll hear in our chat. You'll also hear in our chat that we, we kind of uh, realised that Roger was the uh, the last kind of new boy to be recruited to the uh, international service of Radio North Sea International. Fascinating uh, chat about all things R&I and, of course, the Mebo too, and also how Roger got into the business in the first place. But before we get into chatting to Roger himself, let's have a listen to Roger, how he sounded on the on Radio North Sea International. Radio North Sea International, the voice of Europe, the sound of the world. 220 R&I Dynamite. Roger Kent. Dynamite. Don't be great with the really superb R&I Smash Face. And you can hear that on the hour, every hour, here on the International Service for the coming week. And that, of course, is just away, and it's going to flush out the charts in no time at all. At least I certainly hope so. Many thanks to Robin Banks, and what's all these going on tonight? <laughs> Banks is in sanity right now with me. Hello, hello. Cornflakes, Ken, with you through until uh, 4 o'clock this morning, right here on the... International. And I must say, it's nice to uh, be with you, and I hope you're going to enjoy the music and stay around as long as you possibly can. Because it's first class sounds all the way, as usual. And what happened to that lovely day I forecast for today? At least that's what my rheumatism said. Never mind you can all lie on the beach tomorrow in the pouring rain. And a superb record there that made number two in the British charts back in 1965. That's the fortunes, and you've got your troubles, and I've got mine. I wonder what you were doing in 1965. In fact, I wonder what I was doing in 1965. As usual tonight, we've got lots and lots of uh, cards to acknowledge. And we have our feature artist spot coming up around about 8.30. And uh, the artist we feature tonight is The Who. And got five good records from The Who coming up uh, around about 25 minutes' time here on R&I. 
Meantime, though, let's uh, get into some of these cards. And we've got to say hi to everybody from uh, Magafelt, and that's in County Derry in Northern Ireland. Got a whole stack of cards in, in one envelope this week from... Uh, the following people, in fact, T.J. McSwigan, greetings to you, and Teresa Rafferty, Christy O'Neill, Brenda McGuckin, Robert McKee, uh, Malachy Devlin, another one from T.J. McSwigan, <laughs> yes, uh, Brendan Niblock, and uh, Willie Stewart, Seamus Kelly, uh, Mary Trainer, Margaret uh, Mulholland, Miss Margaret Mulholland there, and finally uh, Claire Rankin from... Ballymena in County Antrim. I think the other uh, TJ McSwigan card, in fact, was um, a suggestion for the Fave 5 spot, so we'll uh, let TJ off tonight. Hey, yeah. Yesterday. Is she really going out with me? Oh, there she is. Let's ask her. These are the Shangri-Las. For me, 1974 was one of my favourite years ever. It just happens to be that way, I guess. Particularly the summer of 1974, which was obviously tinged with sadness uh, towards the end of August. But uh, if you put that to one side again, I think it's probably the summer that I look back to with uh, the most fondness and uh, most enjoyment. Uh, a part of that was because there was just some wonderful radio around. And you were kind of spoiled for choice. If you think about um, uh, on the Dutch coast, or off the Dutch coast, I should say, is uh, Radio Veronica, Radio Mi Amiga, Radio Caroline, Radio Atlantis, Radio North Sea, both the international service and, uh, of course, the uh, the Dutch service as well. Uh, Radio Luxembourg, we got some terrific presenters on it at the time and was a great, great sound. And even enjoyed uh, listening to some of the uh, Radio 1 road shows as well. Uh, really great, great summer. Almost spoilt for choice. But I always went back to what I always say is probably my favourite radio station of all time, uh, which is Radio North Sea International. There was something about that station. A great lineup of DJs, and on that lineup was Roger Kent, who I spent many, many hours of that summer uh, listening to and it was my great pleasure to uh, finally get to have a chat to him and uh, hear about all the happenings on uh, the Mebo 2 over that uh, particular summer and of course back to February when Roger joined the station. So without further ado, let's get on and chat to Roger. Uh, my first thing that I asked him, which I tend to ask most people, is he surprised after all these years that have passed, people are still interested in offshore radio and in particular R&I. I can't believe it. I, I um, sort of dropped out of um, the whole thing after, uh, you know, after it all closed down and I, I continued working in the music industry for about another 10 years uh, and then moved on to other things. And uh, it suited me to keep a low profile, to be quite honest, because it, it's not, not really the thing you want to put on a professional CV. No, oh, yeah. I was a club DJ for 15 years and a pirate disc jockey. So, so that sort of got hidden away for a, a long time until social media came along. And all of a sudden, um, you know, I, I, I found out there were thousands of people all, all saying, what happened to Roger Kent? And uh, yeah. uh, all, you know, really showing... Uh, uh, a rather touching interest in, in, um, in, in 
R&I and Amiibo 2. It was unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I was one of them. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, really sort of uh, starting at the end, if you like. So do you mind, say, what, what you did after it all closed down? Because uh, obviously there was talk of the ship going to the Med. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, You know, whether that was the real story. You know, there's obviously there's different versions of that. And 50 years on, some of it may be true and some of it may not be. But um, that was never your intention. Once uh, the station closed, you were going to go and do other things. Not really. It was all rather strange, actually. We we had that final month, um, and it was only that month when we really um, sort of appreciated that um, it was coming to an end. It, 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 we were all, you know, we, we, we were pretty well considering that it was just going to go on and on, and then all of a sudden, no, it's going to close at the end of August, and... Um, of course, Robin went with the ship, uh, and and I went back to the UK. But um, there was always that possibility. It depended. It was all very much up in the air at the time. Nobody really knew what was going to happen to the ship. If if there had been uh, a viable future in the Med, I'm sure we would have all gone in, down to the Med. But it, it didn't work out like that. Um, yeah. I, I went back to the UK. I, I was quite lucky, really, because I already had loads of work in the UK anyway, and it was all good quality work. I, uh, I, I came to the uh, uh, to, to uh, R&I uh, from uh, uh, working in London in some of the really big venues. So I, I was working at um, the London Lyceum every Saturday night, and I was working at the Hammersmith Pally and all of the big mecca venues, which at the time were the place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they were the, the, the big discos, the, and um, they carried a lot of weight in the music industry that we, we got big stars coming down to do PAs and all that sort of thing. And um, following that, I did a sort of tie-up with a, a guy that had, um, uh, a, a, he had about six disco pubs in South London, and um, he um, he used to get the Radio One DJ down every. Uh, they'd finish doing Top of the Pops for about twenty five quid, and then come down and and do a PA down there for God knows how much. Yeah. And uh, I, so I, I had the opportunity of working with pretty well everyone who was on Radio One. We did um, lots of uh, comedy nights. There was Jim Davidson and all sorts of people that used to be regulars down there. And um, we had Lenny Henry down there, all sorts of people. So although I was really still quite interested in working in radio, it was very difficult at the time to find um, anything apart from traveling miles away up country somewhere to to a, a start-up um, independent radio station um, to, uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, get really any work. Uh, I remember talking to um, Gillian, Gillian Reynolds, wasn't it? Um, I think that was yeah. on the yeah. station up in Liverpool, that would have been, I think. City, <clears throat> was it? And, um, yeah, I tried, but... Uh, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, uh, uh, there wasn't really much around because we're talking about a different era. We're mm. talking about an era when there weren't any DJs on the radio. There was Luxembourg, there was um, the BBC stations, BBC local radio and Luxembourg, and that was about it, really. 
if you were lucky enough to to get a job on them, I think, well, you were lucky. It was uh, pretty difficult. So how, how did that eventually connect up with uh, someone from R&I? Was it a, a chance meeting or had you actually chased oh, them? Really, I think it goes back to the closure of the uh, the UK pirate stations in 67. I was, I was so annoyed, as was everybody, that... that um, Radio London and, uh, you know, all the good radio stations were closed down by the government. It really, really annoyed me. When R&I came along in, when was it, 1970, I think it was, yeah. I, I was a fan from day one. I was, I was really into it and it became my ambition to, to, to work on R&I. Back in the 60s, I, I actually... Uh, I was in bands in London, and as that sort of died off towards the end of the 60s, uh, I, I'd already made the move over into DJing. So I was very lucky, really, because I was in a competition run by the Evening Standard, and I, I managed to come fourth, which was really annoying because the the first three positions won the chance of uh, a show on BBC Radio London, so I just missed out by one place. One of those was Peter Young, who's now uh, no longer with us. We were friends for a long time. He was always annoyed because he always got seasick, so he couldn't go out of the pirate station. Oh. So <laughs> at least I managed to do that. I, I remember uh, hassling Rob Eden because he, he lived not very far from me. He lived in Hampstead, and I'd go round and knock on his door and Rob, can you get me a job on R and I? But from the the Evening Standard um, experience, I, I I was working for um, the Bird's Nest um, disco chain for a while, and then that um, gave me the opportunity of, of getting into Mecca, uh, which was was always well paid and uh, uh, quite high profile work. I, I remember while I was at the Lyceum. I went up to the Isle of Man to to meet um, uh, Don Allen, and it, it was very good, very nice actually. He put me up overnight and uh, listened to my um, audition tape that I, I, I took up there for him, but nothing came of that. I remember going out to it was either Hague or Rotterdam, can't remember now, to the the Caroline offices out there, and um, hanging around there and trying to get a job on Caroline. Eventually. Uh, because I worked in Mecca, um, Brian McKenzie used to do the odd um, guest spot and um, I got to know Brian quite well. And eventually, after, <laughs> after much hassling of, of Brian, he gave me the opportunity in 1974. So that was my long, the long and winding road to uh, becoming a DJ on, on R&I. Was you the actual last, last jock hired? I think I was. Um, I'm not sure. Was Bob Noakes there before me? Um, oh, yeah, um, that was what I was just going to say. I know Bob Noakes came across from Caroline, didn't he? But yeah, I'm not I, sure I whether that... I think he came while I was there, actually. It, it's probably around the same time. I think, from memory, uh, Rob Eden was there until until I came. That le- that, that meant it was myself, Brian McKenzie... Don. Don, Don Allen, uh, Graham Gill... And uh, Robin, Robin Banks. Banks. Yeah, I do think actually that uh, Bob 
was probably a little way into the time that I was there. You, you were the the uh, probably the um, the last new face uh, kind of thing, because I say Bob had uh, come across from uh, from Caroline, hadn't he? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, and I, I lasted quite well, really, because I was there from the February till the August. So that, in R and I terms, that was, that's actually quite a long stint. Interesting, wasn't it? There was a, a lot of turnover. I think Don was there for. Uh, yeah, and 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 Brian was there a bit longer. Yeah, Brian probably had the record, I think, for sticking around. But it, it so it was a it was a great lineup. And uh, had you seen the ship before? You said you'd been out to Holland. Had you seen the Mebo too before you actually went out there? I think only in pictures. Actually, um, I never got out to Caroline at that time. So so no, no, I probably hadn't. And um, it, it it was quite uh, an experience to be going out on the tender and then you see this ship looming out of the you know the gray mist <laughs> and it was it was very interesting actually i mean i, I loved it on the ship it, it, it didn't bother me um you know I, I was never seasick or anything like that uh, and it was fun and, and we never appreciated the the honor sort of, of of being out there the the, the the great opportunity that we were given. It was just fun. It was a job and it was fun. And, and we, we had a lot of laughter and a lot of, you know, jokes on people. And uh, it, it, it was really good. I, I enjoyed it looking back on it. I, like you, was a fan right from pretty much day one. And uh, the, the end lineup, you know, couldn't have been chosen better for me. I think you all seemed to get on really well and uh, the programmes were just uh, wonderful. And uh, I, as a station, I think it connected with uh, listeners in, you know, maybe Caroline would say that they did this as well. But I think R&I connected with their listeners in a way that I, I can't think of any other station that did. There was a real warmth, wasn't there? Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I, I was thinking uh, of that this morning, actually. Caroline was great, but Caroline was, was a specialist type radio station. Um, I could never really get into all the album tracks and all the, all the music. It, mm. it, it, it was great for music lovers, but yeah. R&I was more of a... Uh, it, it, it was your friend. It, 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 exactly. It played... It, it was current. It played the music you wanted to hear. It, it had um, disc jockeys that you could relate to, uh, and you know were, were actually your friend basically. And, and uh, I, I never expected. I mean, we, we didn't used to record any of our um, English service programs at all. Um, the Dutch ones were all recorded, obviously, mm, but yeah. um, the English ones. You went down down to the studio. You did your bit. You came back. You got a drink, and that was the end of it. But to, to, to find that so many people actually recorded these shows is, is unbelievable. And I, I've got a whole stack of, uh, of um, my shows, which people have sent to me. And, that, yeah. and I've listened to some, and you think, I could listen to that today, and, and, and it, it, it would be relevant. It, it sounds good even now. The music's still relevant. Um, so uh, I think we did a really good job, actually. I, I think it was a... Um, a very professional, very slick as well. I mean, the way the jingles were used and uh, all that sort of thing was, was good. And of course, there weren't really hardly any commercials. No. Um, so you didn't spend the whole time going, oh, God, here we go again. Um, uh, and even the commercials you got became iconic, really, like the Noah Park Hotel. Indeed. 
yeah, the place to relax in, no doubt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it it was great, and like you say, yeah, I, I you know, I've got uh, stacks of, I've got more R and I recordings, and I've got recordings of just thousands and thousands of the things. But um, which is why I started the podcast because I like to share some. Um, but um, yeah, and I, I've even got your first show on tape somewhere as well. Oh, I, I, I really do remember that because. Um, <clears throat> I was sort of thrown into this studio, which I wasn't particularly familiar with. Um, and I think my first record was Demis Roussos, uh, Goodbye, My Love, no. Goodbye. <laughs> I couldn't even say Demis Roussos, to be quite honest, <laughs> at the time. You did sound rather nervous, if I'm brutally <laughs> yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but you, you got into it, for sure. You got yeah, into yeah. it. Well, I mean, I, I, I was quite a good... Um, technical person to be quite honest mm. I, you know I, I worked decks and uh, yeah. uh, you know it um, actually ran jingles in and you know spoke over things and came in spot on mainly from my you know DJing experience uh, in the past so so I was always quite good at that actually um, I hate to say uh, the Amiibo 2 itself was quite um, an impressive I sadly I never got to see it um, uh, and I've only seen it in pictures and I do have a a model that I'm looking at now, uh, <laughs> but um, it was quite a quite a ship. But um, I was talking to Mike Ross, uh, bless him, who's also no longer with us, uh, many moons ago. Uh, I met him in London, and uh, he was telling me it was a really hard ship to work on because it was almost flat bottomed, and it was you very rarely had a a flat space to walk on. Was that your experience as well? Not really. No, I, I, the, the flat bottom was a, an issue with regards to stability, really, because mm -hmm. if you got into really rough weather, then it, it, it did rock around a bit. But um, the actual broadcast studios were right down at the bottom. So even if it was swaying from side to side, you, did, you didn't really get all that much um, movement down that, that low down in the ship. But um, the, <laughs> the worst thing was that um, they had all of the cabins... They, they must have been at, yeah, they were. They, uh, they were at the front of the ship, close to the anchor chain. No, they couldn't have been. No, they, no, that was the wrong way around. They must have been at the rear of the ship because um, when it was on the anchor, the cabins used to go up and down like you were in an express lift. I mean, it was the most uh, worst place to put the cabins, basically, because um, it used to ride on the anchor chain. We had a, a very nice. Uh, galley arrangement there which was up at the the, the, the back um, and that was fine and then you went downstairs and then there was a long walkway that took you to the other end of the ship where the cabins were and uh, down we, we had a, a newsroom there as well from memory and you used to go down one level and you were in the the the, the two broadcast studios so uh, I, I did go across onto the Caroline ship and that was just a wreck you know it was, was it yeah it, it was old sofas and painted black and things like that <laughs> but but the Mebo was very professional very well organized there, there there were stores with plenty of beers and soft drinks and food and that in and um, um, good um, shower facilities it, it, it was very very professionally run it it, it, it was a proper you know, proper radio station, really. Um, whereas Caroline was um, a bit, uh, 
Heath Robinson, shall we say, yes. make do and mend. Like, did you? Uh, I think you had uh, you had more of a, a format on R and I as well. I mean, I, I know you had a you had a good amount of free reign out there, I believe, but uh, you, there were certain things that you did uh, need to do. Yeah, it, it wasn't too um, strictly uh, controlled, to be quite honest. We had the what was it? The top fifty chart. What was that called? I can't remember now. Yeah, I've got one actually. They, yeah, they kept changing the name of it, didn't they? But yeah, uh, yeah, we, yeah, they, yeah. they had uh, yeah the top. There was the top as twenty at the end, wasn't it? Good yeah, music right, survey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it was really left up to the individual disc jockeys to to make a choice on the music, and I think we got it right really. Mm. Um, but we all had our specialist show, Don with his crazy country and western uh, show. Yeah. Funnily enough, I quite like country and western these days, <laughs> especially country rock and that. Um, Brian had a good taste in music. Um, Rob, Robin was not really a disc jockey. He only came over as um, uh, as an engineer, and then he got into disc jockeying, and, and he was good. I, 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 he was a good friend to me. I, I, I was very sad when he died a couple of years ago. Yeah, he, he, yeah, me too. But he was a really good disc jockey. I, you yeah, know, considering yeah. that wasn't necessarily his forte, I think his his shows were wonderful, and uh, especially his um, show on the last evening was just incredible. He had a wicked sense of humour as well. It was all tongue in cheek, and uh, I, yeah, yeah, I, I'm very fond of, uh, uh, <laughs> of Robin. Um, but actually, coming back to that, the the original DJs. They were almost like gods to me. Like um, even today, like I'm, you know, well, I'm a, I say a friend, but uh, an acquaintance of Andy Archer, and I, I always feel I'm in the uh, uh, in the company of, of greatness when, when I'm with Andy Archer. He was my hero, you know, yeah. back in the day. Yeah. And another really good, good communicator and a very nice guy. Love Andy, great guy. Yeah, I'd love to get him on the podcast if you can put a word in for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <I> <laughs> you know, he should have been one of the real big names of radio. Really, he was a you know, cracking broadcaster. Absolutely agree with you with that. Uh, and the same with actually Brian. I, I, Brian is is a wasted or was a wasted talent. That I mean, he he continued in radio, but again, he should have gone further. Uh, than he actually did, but it was so difficult. Um, there, there was almost a stigma to to have been on um, offshore radio, as far as people like the BBC were concerned. You know, oh, we can't have them uh, pirates. No, 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 not not for BBC. So uh, you know, I I think it's a great shame. It, it was. I, I always uh, have to smile that. Um... Uh, old Don, while he was working for yeah. R and I, used to do his country show on BBC Radio Merseyside. <laughs> How was he? Oh, yeah. Good old Don. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. What, what a, <laughs> yeah, what a guy he was as well. He, he always seemed to have a wicked sense of humour as well. Well, he did. Yeah, he did. And um, you're, you're aware of his cabin on on board, are you? It was, uh, it was wallpapered with with. Um, uh, girly posters. Oh yes, like. I've seen a picture of that. <laughs> <laughs> All quite okay for for the 1970s. That was uh, it had fluorescent lights in it, which, which was really weird <laughs> because you couldn't turn a fluorescent light off on the boat because the RF actually uh, triggered the uh, the tubes. So I remember going up on the deck with Don, and um, he he had two fluorescent tubes <laughs> in his hand, and he was waving to. 
I think it must have been the trip tender or something. And all, all these things lit up in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I also remember him uh, doing that uh, competition, which you wouldn't get away with uh, today. Yeah, Miss Wide and Wonderful. Do you remember <laughs> yeah. that? And we did, we did uh, um, the Miss R&I one for 1974 yeah. as well, which, uh, again, yeah. you wouldn't get away with that these days. No, but, uh, yeah. definitely, no, no, definitely wouldn't. Girls, 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 from 16 to 60, here's your chance to have a little fun on Radio North Sea International by entering the Miss Wide and Wonderful 1974 contest. We'll be looking forward to hearing from you, and if you enclose a photo, a recent photo of yourself, whether you're in a bikini... Whether you're in a micro skirt, a mini skirt, or an evening gown, no matter what you're wearing, send a photo of yourself. The prettier, the better. And that's all you have to do to enter the Miss Wide and Wonderful 1974 contest. Now, the judges, the judges will be very stern indeed. They'll consist of Brian McKenzie, Robin Banks, Graham Gill, Mike Ross, Rob Eden, and various RNI disc jockeys. And we'll all choose Miss Wide and Wonderful 1974. So if you wish to enter, win yourself a dozen LPs if you're the winner. Then all you have to do is send an enclosed photo of yourself to Don Allen's Wide and Wonderful 1974 Contest. That's Don Allen's Wide and Wonderful 1974 Contest, RNI, P.O. Box 117, Hilversum in Holland. We'll be looking forward to hearing from you, so don't forget now, get yourself a picture and enter the contest. Um, I'm a bit rusty, as you can imagine. Never mind, just take a picture and send it along to the Wide and Wonderful, and we'll be looking forward to hearing especially from you, okay? It was a ship full of wonderful uh, broadcasters. Just going back to, um, we were talking about the uh, specialist show. Obviously, uh, Brian did the rock and roll, and, and you fell into doing uh, a couple. Didn't you uh, take over the request show from Gray and Gill and also the Hitback show? And, uh, mine was the Hitback show. I don't remember doing the uh, uh, request show. Possibly, we, we all... Covered, yes. Yeah, we covered it. If somebody wasn't on and they'd not... We used to pre-record the, um, you know, the specialist shows when we were off the off the ship, yeah. so they went out just the same. But, um, you know, if somebody wasn't there and there wasn't a show, it was, oh, you can go and do it, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, possibly, yeah. Yeah, uh, so but was that a show you enjoyed? And you, you seemed oh, to get yeah, a good response I, I, from it as well. I was very, very much into, I mean, it sounds, it, it sounds crazy these days. I mean, I, I'm talking about music from the 60s and yeah. music from the 50s, which was like only 10 years before. So uh, I, I had a pretty good um, knowledge of, you know, 60s music and 50s music. So it really suited me down to the ground. I, I did enjoy doing that, actually. That was really good. Gave me a chance to play some of those tracks I grew up with in my teenage years as well. So that was good. I, I think we were enthusiastic. And I, I think there was a great benefit to being on a ship and that you didn't go home at night. You were you, you were immersed in the experience from the time you boarded the ship until the time you went off on your week's leave. So radio was your whole being uh, while you were out there, to be quite honest. Apart from sitting up uh, in the galley very late at night, helping them finish the bottles of uh, scotch and uh, 
Geneva <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. They were very well prepared, uh, provided with, with alcohol on that ship. Yeah, so. well, well, if it's out there, you know, it, it, it'd be rude not to, wouldn't it, really? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I, I remember staggering down a few times because we, we used to put tapes on from four o'clock till six o'clock in the morning and you sit up there and have a few drinks and go, oh, it's coming up to six o'clock, got to hand over to the Dutch service. <laughs> you, you, you'd stagger down along the walkway up to the other end of the mm-hmm. ship. You were saying that it was pretty much the last month that uh, you kind of heard that it wasn't continuing. It On air, it didn't seem to change the atmosphere. There was no downbeatness, there was no... You know, you all still seem very upbeat, and uh, yeah, I, I'm not even sure that it was a month. I, I think it might have been a couple of weeks, to be well, quite honest. And then, then we got into this um, very busy last week or so, when when all sorts of people were coming out. We had Meister and Bollier come out. We had, uh, in fact, on the last couple of days, we had Ronan O'Reilly out as well, which really? was. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Got some pictures of that, actually. Oh, really? Uh, So he uh, he actually just came out to have a look or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we had all sorts of visitors to the ship, um, you know, just for the last couple of days. But, of course, I mean... He again. He was uh, uh, he was God as far as you know. Pirate radio <laughs> yeah, uh, was concerned, the one that kicked it all off. It, it, it was uh, a real experience to to actually get to meet him. Yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, if I remember, only from listening to the broadcast, the, the, all, every, all the Dutch DJs came out and the, the people were sleeping everywhere, weren't they? For the last yeah, that, of that's right. Yeah, because most of the Dutch guys we we didn't really know. I mean. During the day, it was Dutch service, and you, you hear their programs all the time. But the the only people we really um, knew from the Dutch side were the, were the, uh, the newsreader guys. I mean, they used to read the news and change the tapes. Yeah. That was uh, Peter Yarker, who's uh, he's, he's got that that wasn't his name actually. That was his radio name, and um, can't remember the other guy. Um, so yeah, it was nice to to see all the guys come out from Holland on that. Uh, Final weekend. No, I was just going to say, my, my, my one memory uh, of that whole um, sort of close down was when we came back into Skaveningen um, on the boat and to see the people there, so many people all, all along the quayside and all of the ships in the, the harbour there, they all sounded their foghorn things uh, and this noise just went through you and it made the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. It was absolutely incredible. Um, it's just something I'll never forget. You, you're fortunate in some ways that, you know, there isn't many people that's had that experience, Roger. No, that, that's what I was saying. We never, we never really appreciated how, how lucky we were to, to you know, to have uh, uh, been in that position and to, to have done it because it was never going to happen again. I guess um, yeah, leading up to the because it was a quite, a quite a strange close down in a way because you, the English service, closed down at... Uh, midnight on, on the 30th, didn't you? Um, yeah. With uh, uh, Don and uh, Brian doing the last show with uh, con- contributions from yourself and uh, Robin, of course, and, and Bob. And I was lucky enough to do the um, the kickoff of the final hour, which I thought was uh, yeah, an, an honour, really, you know, to be able to, uh, you know, just to, to do that um, first first slot in that, and that was good. Yeah, and I bet that was quite moving as well. Or, or were you a bit isolated from it being out there? Or were you as moved as I was sitting at home? 
Probably not. Yeah. You know, it, it was another show, really. And uh, it, it was probably a show that I gave a little bit more thought to because it, it was a one-off and it was a special, um, uh, you know, sort of structured show. It was supposed to be. I know that... <laughs> Don and Brian seemed to go off on a tangent, you know. Yeah, <laughs> they, <yeah. laughs> they were chatting about God knows what, and Don and his that um, crazy um, country thing. What was it called? Oh, I can't remember. Big, big fat Bertha. Or oh, something big like fanny. That. Big fanny. That was yes, it. Yes. Yes. Hard, hardly fitting for no, the final no, show. It wasn't really, was it? <laughs> no, no. That yeah. <laughs> Yes, I recall that now. Um, and, th and then it was quite strange because you went off and uh, the Dutch then came off and then I think they changed it at the last minute. I think they were going on till 8 o'clock the next day and then suddenly decided it was 3 or something like you know, same time as uh, we lost Big L. And, uh, but it was a, an absolutely uh, fabulous time, um, Roger, and uh, you were really lucky to be a part of it. And You have to... Even look back in the context uh, of how things were back in the 1970s. It's not. It's not, it's not the world we live in today. No. So, no. Uh, and um, you know, we we were actually quite um, a big station. Uh, Brian told me at one time. I, th I think we were bigger than Luxembourg on our actual um, listener figures. So uh, that was uh, a great honour. Yeah, I, I'm. Oh. That doesn't surprise me, and I mean the Dutch service as well. In in the daytime, made quite a lot of money, didn't it? That was absolutely yeah, yeah. Where yeah, you didn't have many ads, that was actually overflowing with them, wasn't it? But we we had the whole day. We could sit around in the sun because it was a nice sun, sunny um, summer in '74. Mm. So spent a lot of time up on the top deck, um, you know, in the sunshine and uh, reading books and and things and preparing like shows and that and going through. The record library was superb there. There was, it was just about everything in there. So you could dig out a whole load of stuff um, to play that day. But uh, So did you um, did you plan your playlist then, or did you literally just take a load of records in and, and just yeah. uh, go with the flow kind of thing? Yeah, it depended on the time of day because from 8 o'clock we, we had – um, either specialist show or, or general music. So, it, as you say, you were you kind of led by the the top 50 and um, selection of anything you wanted to add to it. But then once you got into the past midnight, then there was a, a lot more flexibility in choosing uh, albums to play, um, other tracks, etc., etc. So uh, nobody ever said, you must play this or you must play that. It, it was very much left up to the disc jockeys to make their own music selections. And I think we chose quite well, actually. Uh, yeah. you know, you'd be hard pushed to find a radio station that would uh, uh, go anywhere uh, night like that now, and especially one with uh, an audience like like yours. And uh, I think the signal obviously added to the fact you had such a huge audience. I remember you used to have people from Russia and stuff, I, you know, yeah. uh, you know uh, that used to uh, pick you up. And uh, we, we did have a, a QSL report from Australia, believe that. Wow. That's an awful long way. So uh... <laughs> yes, yeah. Close. <laughs> if I asked you for one abiding memory, would it be coming into the the harbour at the last day, or would it be? No, I, th I think is the one thing that's always stuck with me because it, it sort of <laughs> brings a lump to my throat. To to I've got pictures of it as well. Took a load of pictures as we came in, and it, it, it was a 
a wonderful experience. That weekend was 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 all good fun. Uh, somebody somebody gave me uh, uh, a film of me in a boat going over to the Veronica ship. Now I thought I'd never been to the Veronica <laughs> ship, so it must have been a blur that weekend. It I'll must have you. been a good weekend then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, and the, oh, and the other one was when we went across to Caroline. That was that was a. Uh, a fun day. Well, it wasn't a fun day. It was a really dangerous day. Really, we we had this uh, inflatable Gemini um, uh, little boat, which had a broken engine, which I fixed. Oh God! And then we thought, ah, we'll go across to Caroline. We'll go over there for to to visit them. <laughs> so we all set out, and uh, I know Brian was on there. I was on there. I think Phil, the uh, uh, the chef, was on there as well. And uh, I can't remember who else. There were about four of us in there. And we headed across. My boat was going fine. Brian, Brian was the only one wearing a life jacket. And they weren't even life jackets, these things we had. They were like cork jackets. They were made of cork. <laughs> and uh, went across Caroline ship. Yeah, fine. Nice to see you guys. All came on board. We sat around, had tea with them, or probably beers. I can't remember. Yeah. Knowing Caroline, they probably ran out yeah, of beer by then. Yeah. But um, anyway, we decided, well, we'd better go back. Otherwise, we won't be broadcasting tonight, will we, lads? Mm -hmm. So we go, we go up on deck and there's a big grey mist descended. Oh, and, no. Yeah, yeah. And it was all looking stormy and um, the wind was getting up. The problem is that you you go across and you know where you've come from and you can see the Mevo 2 and uh, no problem. But then the the direction of the tide turns so the 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 boats swing around um it, it's in a mist you can't see the mebo too anymore oh, and you think God. oh dear which way do we go yeah. <laughs> so, so so we guessed and luckily we did guess right actually but we, we could have been on this boat heading for america or something anyway <laughs> anyway yeah <laughs> but, but i have this vision of of brian mckenzie in the in the prow of the boat, sort of sort of against the wind, the wind blowing through his hair, like like um, the scene from Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny, <laughs> really dangerous. Actually, we we could yeah. have uh, all been all been drowned. drowned. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh yeah, fantastic. <laughs> absolutely brilliant. It's been an absolute joy to chat to you, Roger. It really has. <laughs> it's been nice to recall a few memories. More than I thought I could remember, to be quite honest. Um, yeah. It was a one-off. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again, Roger. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, and the same to you. Yeah, okay, Jeff. Thanks a lot, mate. Cheers. Yeah, bye. Yeah, bye. bye. Every Sunday evening on Radio North Sea International, Roger Kent and the Hitback Show. And of course, around about 8.30 every Sunday evening, we feature five records from one of your favourite artists. And of course, your, uh, your sort of uh, choice is always uh, very nice to hear. And if you, if you have any favourite artists that you like featured on the show, well, drop me a card and tell me the favourite artist and the favourite five tracks. And I'd love to hear from you on that. And tonight, uh, the suggestion is by Dave Billington, in fact, of 69 Crew Road, Shavington Crew in Yorkshire. 
And Dave says, I suggest for the Fave 5 spot, Crin's Clearwater Revival. And they're coming up in just a few seconds. Also, we have one, inevitably, from Mike Willis, because Mike, I think, has taken time out to write a card for just about every imaginable artist. I have a real stack of cards from Mike, so let's give Mike a quick mention for all that effort. And Mike says also, please say hi to Dave in Chelmsford, Robin Harvey, Martin Townsend, and all the rest of the R&I fans. OK, fine. And uh, as requested... We feature Creedence Clearwater Revival and some good sounds coming up over the next 15 minutes. First one away tonight. It's all about Proud Mary. Massive thank you again to uh, Roger Kent uh, for joining us on Radio Rollback and bringing back some absolutely wonderful memories of uh, particularly the, you know, the summer of 1974, a summer that I remember really well and uh, flicking through all the stations knowing that uh, uh, the Dutch government were about to do what the British government did in uh, 1967, seven uh, years earlier. And uh, as I say, some great memories there from uh, Roger. Thank you very much uh, indeed. I hope you enjoyed that as much as uh, I did. So that's about it for a very long, but I'm sure you'll agree, a very interesting episode of uh, Radio Rollback. Once again, thanks for everyone who's uh, been in touch since episode 25, including my friend uh, Paul Russlin. Thank you, Paul, for your email. And uh, if you want to get in touch with us, it's uh, jeffmartinmedia220 at gmail.com. You can also follow us and like us. Uh, hoping to be talking in the next uh, couple of weeks or so uh, with uh, one of the stars of of Laser 558 and hopefully one of the stars of Big L Radio London so uh, all that to come if we can get it organised um, soon so thanks again for listening and please join us again on the next edition which will be episode 27 of the Radio Rollback Podcast Thanks for listening to Radio Rollback Podcast don't forget to check out the back catalogue and use your podcast app to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode.